On today's episode, I'm answering your questions. A bunch of you sent in some really great questions. We're going to cover a handful today, a handful next week, and then some of them were actually just too good. They were uh, they required a larger answer than I could give in this format, so we're going to dedicate uh, an entire episode to those questions. So don't fret. If I don't get to your questions this week or next week, it probably means I'm just working on something bigger. In any event. Today, questions about valuation when it comes to selling your restaurant, questions about problem solving, budget management, sales growth, and more, all on today's episode, Don't Go Anywhere. There's an old saying that goes something like this, you'll only find three kinds of people in the world, those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast with answers for anyone who's looking. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close, and this is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast dedicated entirely to the hospitality industry. We cover marketing, operations, just about everything in between. Each week, I leverage my 20 plus years in the industry to help you build a more profitable and a more sustainable business. I also work directly with operators all over the world through my group coaching programs to help you address and overcome the unique challenges that you face in this industry. Curious to learn more? Set up a free 30-minute strategy session by visiting restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. Let me show you how simple it can be to run a profitable restaurant. Again, restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. As always, you will find that link in the show notes. And hey, you'll also find another link in this week's show notes. It is a link to sign up for a free webinar that I'm hosting on January 24th and January 25th. In that webinar, I'm going to share a five-step framework for marketing your restaurant the right way. And yes, if there's a right way, then there must be a wrong way. So we're going to cover that. Plus, I'll share some actionable tips and tactics, things you can put into practice immediately to move the needle in your business. And yes, when I say move the needle, we're talking about revenue. Attendance is being capped at 100 people. So sign up now using that link that you'll find in the show notes. Again, it is absolutely free. It's an hour long and you've got just two chances to catch it. January 24th and January 25th. Again, attendance is being capped. So go sign up now. Okay. So today we're doing a Q&A episode answering some of the questions you guys sent in. We haven't done one of these since I think episode 85, which means we are long overdue. I love this format, tons of information we're gonna to share today, so let's dive in. The first question comes from Ross in Pennsylvania. He writes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's something you love to say, and I agree, but how do you know when something is broken? Sometimes it can be nuanced. Business is down 20% in our restaurant, so is there a fundamental issue with our restaurant, uh, or is that simply due to an external macroeconomic factor? Thanks. This is a really good question and somewhat difficult to answer without more specific knowledge of the situation, of you, your market, sort of the area you're in. But I'll share a few thoughts. Business generally should never go down, right? Especially this past year when so many of us were, uh, were raising prices just to keep up with inflation. If anything, I think you should have seen uh, an increase in your revenue. So on the surface, uh, yeah, my gut tells me that is a concern. But then on the other hand, if you cut hours this year, if you closed certain days of the week, then I don't know, perhaps then it would make sense that your revenue is down. 
Naturally, my next question would be about profitability, right? What was your net income at the end of the year? Did you close certain days of the week uh, to guard against skyrocketing labor uh, or maybe to compact your covers from five uh, from seven nights into five? So I had a client that did just that when they opened back up after the pandemic. They decided to stay closed on Mondays and Tuesdays, and it made all the difference to their business. Less revenue overall, overall for sure, but more profitable in the end. So that is worth noting, right? But Ross, I think the deeper question you asked was whether uh, this, this decrease in sales illustrated a fundamental issue with your restaurant or whether it was just something due to, to an external factor. Now, obviously, the economics of the moment, uh, those are affecting business. So that must carry some of the blame here. But I believe it's our job as operators to help navigate our businesses through rough waters. Uh, and that's a shit job for sure. But regardless, that's the job and it must be done. So again, did you stay nimble and decide to close those few nights simply to preserve profitability? Then I'd say good for you, smart. But on the other hand, did you go unchanged these last three years, despite the fact that the world had changed so drastically around you? If so, if that latter, uh, if that latter is the case, uh, then then the fundamental flaw you might have to contend with is your restaurant's inability to stay nimble when dealing with change. And I acknowledge that that's not easy uh, for all uh, for all restaurants, and, and it's not easy for, for most restaurants. I work with some legacy brands that have been in operation for 50, 60, 70 years. I mean, three generations, it's crazy. Uh, and they've learned this the hard way as well. But still, if there's anything the pandemic taught us is that we have to evolve, right? Not pivot, it's about evolution. We must be willing to change, to continue serving our audiences, to maybe serve them in new ways, in the ways that they now need to be served in this new normal. So I would say as you prepare for 2023, um, I would urge you to, to build a budget that lays out a revenue plan so you don't have a, a decrease again. So what sort of revenue do you need to hit on a daily basis in order to hit your larger revenue goals for the year? That's how you keep pace with it. Educate your team on what you're doing. You empower them to make the hard decisions and ultimately you hold them accountable for hitting the targets that you set in your restaurant. That's what I would do to get this back on track for 2023. Now, the second question uh, goes like this. I've listened to nearly 100 episodes of the podcast, but I haven't heard a deep dive into real estate or location selection. It's been touched on in a few of the interviews, uh, but I would love to hear more about evaluating real estate choices for first location uh, or even expansion locations. Now, this is a great question, uh, and you're absolutely right. We have not covered this as deeply as I would like. You deserve more. Uh, if you want to set an alert on your calendar, I did an interview with a guy named Rick Kamak. Uh, that interview will air on March 20th of this year, and we actually do chat about this subject quite a bit. He's got a lot of insights and a lot of opinions on it, but a little something to tide you over because you're right. It's a great question. I haven't covered it appropriately. We'll cover it now. The simple answer, I think, is that your rent should be no more than 8% of your revenue. So, got it? Okay. What does that mean then? 8%. Let's say you're looking at a space that's $125 a square foot. Let's say it's a 1,600 square foot space. That's $200,000 in annual rent. So that means you got to be doing about $2.5 million in revenue to make your rent make sense. So when you're looking at spaces, you have to be able to determine how many seats you're gonna be able to fit in that space. Let's say that number is 80. And then you've gotta figure out how many turns you're gonna be able to do each night. So I always say go conservative. Let's say you're gonna do two turns on the busy weekend nights and then just one turn on the slow nights. 
So if you're doing that math, it works out to about 720 covers a week, four weeks in a month. That's roughly 2,900 covers. Over the course of the year, that's 34,000 dinner covers. Okay. So now you got to figure out what your concept is and what your check average can be, meaning on average, how much will each guest spend with you? Let's say every guest is going to come in and uh, get an appetizer, an entree, and one drink. Let's say you got $15 uh, appetizers, $25 entrees, and $10 drinks on average. That works out to $50 total per person. So $50 times the 34,000 covers you're going to do at dinner comes out to $1.7 million. This is rough back of the napkin math. So there you go, $1.7 million for dinner. So what about lunch? Let's say, again, we're going to be conservative. Conservatively, you're going to do about 60 covers every day at a lower price point of $30 per head. That's about 20,000 lunch covers a year at $30 per head. That's going to bring in another 600K in revenue. We add our dinner and lunch numbers together, and it comes to $2.3 million. Now, that's not going to cut it. So now you got to decide... Do I raise my prices, meaning will the audience in this neighborhood spend more to dine here? Can I raise the prices of apps or entrees? Um, for example, could I build a restaurant that would yield a dinner check of about $60 a head? And that would bring your revenue to about $2.6 million, right? If you felt like um, you could get $60 a head instead of $50 a head in this space, in this market, in this neighborhood, right? Only you can answer whether that's realistic. That's why we do so much marketing research. That's the name of the game. So you got to figure out how many covers you can fit in, how many covers you think you're going to do on a nightly or weekly basis, about how much per head it's going to yield, and then you just got to do that math out through the end of the year, right, through the entire year. So if you do that, then you could generate about $2.6 million conservatively, and I always say we go conservatively, and in that case, I think that does make sense. That's the calculus you need to do, but again, the number you're looking for is 8%. I think 8% uh, of, uh, of revenue is what you got to stick to. Now, we've got two more questions to answer. One of them, a really juicy one, uh, which was actually sent in by four different people, all about how to value your restaurant to sell. We will get to that after a word from our sponsor. Running a restaurant is already a tough job. You're busy keeping customers fed and employees paid while working with razor-thin profit margins. The last thing you should be worried about is if you're doing sales tax right. That's why you should consider automating sales tax for your restaurant point of sale system. Collecting and filing sales tax on your own can be stressful and time consuming. It can leave your business vulnerable to accidentally missing tax payments or not having enough money in the bank to cover your tax obligations. Davo by Avalara simplifies sales tax for your restaurant and brings peace of mind through automation to help you pay the full amount you owe on time. Just integrate the Davo app with your existing POS, like Clover or Toast or Square or Spot On, and set up your business and banking information. Davo will take sales data from your POS system and determine how much sales tax you collected each day. Then it sends a request to your bank to have your sales tax put into a secure holding account. This keeps your sales tax separate from your revenue and helps reduce potential confusion about available funds. You'll get a daily email from Davo letting you know exactly how much sales tax was transferred. When your sales tax is due, Davo automatically remits your sales tax to the appropriate authority on your behalf in full and on time. Is your restaurant in a state that does on-time filing discounts? If it is, then Davo will automatically send this refund back to your bank. Don't let sales tax spoil your business. Stay on top of sales tax with automation from Davo by Avalara so you can spend less time in the back office and more time in the front of house. 
Learn more at davosalestax.com slash restaurant strategy and try Davo free for the first month. Now, as promised, we got two more questions. Let's dive right in. The third question comes from Mitch. He's down in Houston, Texas. He writes, I know I should be doing more catering business and I just keep putting it off. It could be a huge revenue stream for us. I know that because I see other restaurants around me and they seem to be killing it. So my question is, how do I begin to grow the catering arm of my business? Again, it's another great question. I love it. And I feel like I'm talking about this a lot with the members of my Restaurant Accelerator Mastermind group. And for good reason, right? because it can be a huge revenue stream. So here goes, and please take notes. First, make sure you've got a catering page on your website with clear explanations about what you offer. And there needs to be an inquiry form on that page. You wanna push people to reach out and get in touch. First, make sure this page is great because we're gonna use it in just a second. The second step, I would go through all of the events you've hosted over the past two years or all the catering business you've done over the past two years and reach out to each and every one of those customers. If you've got a catering manager or sales director, you can have them do this. Pick up the phone and call them. If they don't pick up, leave a voicemail and then email them immediately. The script will go something like this. Hey there, this is Chip calling from Restaurant XYZ. Uh, I'm actually the one handling all the catering, and uh, I know we've taken care of uh, you in the past. I just wanted to reach out and get a little feedback from you. Uh, If you've got a few minutes to chat, give me a call back at the following number. Also, I'm going to send you a quick email just in case that's a better way to reach you. Again, I look forward to chatting with you. Just want to get a little bit of feedback about your catering experience. Then you figure out when uh, when to follow up. So probably two days later with a phone call, and then two days after that with another email, and maybe again the following week with another email. I want you to remember, people are busy. They are probably not ignoring you. They probably just haven't had time to respond, so simply keep after them. The key is, this is really important, the key is you're beginning with your existing customers, all right? Now, the third step The third step is that I want you to send a series of informational emails to your existing email list, just letting them know that, hey, you do catering, maybe sharing some details about how it works, what you serve, et cetera. You might even give the people on your list a discount or or some promotion that will expire in the near future. The email should be getting people to click a button that takes them to the catering page where they would fill out the inquiry form. Then fourth, notice. The fourth step, notice so far, so far, steps one, two, three, we've reached out to all of your existing customers. That's it. We haven't done any cold calls, all friendly faces. And that should yield plenty of results if you follow those instructions the way I've laid them out. Eventually, though, you will have to start building a true outbound strategy. And for this, I would create a list first of all of the potential customers in the area, meaning What companies do you have nearby? What universities, police stations, firehouses, hospital, um, pharmaceutical reps? Make a list of at least 50 prospects. Then, next to each prospect, I want you to figure out who you know that works there or who you know at those companies that can connect you, who can get you to the gatekeeper. And make no mistake, every company has a gatekeeper. There is a person in each of those companies whose responsibility it is to order catering. You simply need to get connected to that person. 
And from there, and this is really important, from there it's about building relationships, not getting sales. It's about building relationships. So maybe you offer to drop off some treats or some food for them to enjoy. Uh, Maybe that also includes a gift card so that he or she can come in and use it at your restaurant. Whatever it is, you, you want to make inroads with that person, that gatekeeper, so that they want to become a customer. When you figure out who can connect you to the gatekeeper, you simply ask them to send an email connecting you to uh, or have them put in a good word for you so that they are expecting your call. And when you do make contact, understand that you exist first and foremost to solve their problem. This person has the challenge of ordering food for an entire office, maybe once a week or once a month, and it is time consuming, and you better believe it's a lot of pressure. You are simply trying to make his or her life easier. Again, it's not about sales, it's about building relationships. You may not get your first order this month or even next month, but by building the relationship, you'll be planting seeds for later. Finally then, and this needs to be said, I believe your goal with catering, the holy grail of catering, is to go after recurring orders. So you may want to consider offering something like a 10% discount if they agree to a standing monthly order um, or uh, maybe 20% for a standing weekly order. For example, maybe you want to be the place, say, hey, order from us the first Friday of every month or we want to be uh, your Taco Tuesday place. We want to serve tacos every Tuesday at your company. That's what you're going for, and I would incentivize it in some way, right? A 10% discount to getting a week, uh, a standing monthly order and maybe a 20% discount for a standing uh, weekly order. And again, you're gonna price your things appropriately so you're still profitable, but this will entice them to order from you regularly, and then it's set it and forget it, all right? So that's with catering. That's a simple four-step framework. I told you to take notes. Go back, rewind, listen to it again. Four steps you need to do to get started with catering. Uh, From there, there's lots we can do, but I promise you just those steps will yield quite a bit of results. Now, fourth question, finally. This question actually came from a bunch of different uh, listeners. Uh, And it went something like this. Um, How can I set a value to my restaurant? Is there a formula to set this price? X times sales or X times profit? Right, and likewise, a bunch of people uh, asked the opposite question as well. Someone offered to sell me their restaurant. I'm thinking of buying it. What is a fair price to pay? Now you can Google this question and get a lot of answers, some good and some bad. For me, it is very simple. It's two to three times what's called seller's discretionary earnings. Now, Technically speaking, discretionary earnings are the total cash that the business generates in a year that is available to the owner after deductions for only the necessary operating expenses. Another way to uh, define discretionary earnings is that it is the total owner's benefit derived from owning the business, regardless of how much uh, money the owner takes out of the business. Okay, so you got to determine the restaurant's uh, discretionary earnings or their adjusted cash flow. So use the net profit that's listed on the restaurant's tax return uh, or, or the year-to-date income and expense statement and then add the following items back in. The working owner's salary and payroll taxes, the personal expenses that the owner is charging to the business, sometimes like a, like a car, um, depreciation, amortization, and interest on loans that the buyer will not assume, the net operating loss, uh, the carry-forward charges, and any other personal expenses that the buyer will not assume. So 
you will find bad advice, which says, hey, it's 25 to 40% of the overall revenue generated from the business. But that says nothing about the kind of profit that the business can generate, right? So that I don't like. Um, you can also do, uh, sometimes you'll see the, it's a three to five times EBITDA. Um, and I don't think that quite gets at it because there are benefits, right? Uh, discretionary earnings that uh, that the buyer, I'm sorry, that the seller takes advantage of, and the buyer should uh, take those into account as well. So that's the best way to do it. Two to three times the seller's discretionary earnings. That's the best way to determine that uh, that was laid out here. Again, this is a dense episode, lots of information. Hope you were taking notes. Uh, and listen, you got it saved. Go back and listen to it again if there's anything that you want to get more information, right? So that's it. I hope you find it helpful. Uh, don't fret. Again, if you sent me a question and we didn't get to it yet, we are doing another Q&A episode next week. So make sure to come back. Before I let you go, of course, I want to remind you again about the webinar I'm hosting on January 24th and 25th. Totally free, but attendance is being capped for each of those at 100 people. Teaching you the five-step framework uh, to market your restaurant the right way. I can't wait to see you there. That link is in the show notes. So go sign up and I will see you next time.